support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, August 4th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, complaints about threats of job loss and the Nissan Canton plant closing are mounting as workers vote on the final day in the union election. Hear from a union official on the allegations. Mississippi officials are putting a new treatment in officers' hands that they hope will reduce the number of deaths by overdose. MPB's At Issue returns tonight. We'll get political views from Austin Barber and Brandon Jones on the latest Mississippi concerns. And find out how you can help maintain a piece of Mississippi history. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Today, Nissan workers at the Canton plant continue to cast their ballots in support of or against joining the union. The National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, is overseeing the elections where voters are casting paper ballots. The polls have been open since 2 a.m. Thursday. Some employees say they want better pay, health care, and pensions. Others are happy with current conditions. Outside the plant, the United Auto Workers says they are receiving complaints about threats of job loss and even closure of the plant if workers vote to support joining a union. Gary Castile is secretary treasurer of the United Auto Workers Union. He talked with MPB's Desiree Frazier about the issue while traveling. The reports we get is that the election process is relatively clean. The only disturbing news that I've got, we heard this morning that Nissan was even after the voting started still doing a roundtable meetings with employees and, and the ones that wouldn't express anti-union sentiment. They were wanting them to meet with uh, higher levels of management. So um, they're continuing to put uh, a very extreme amount of pressure on these employees. Uh, this is by far the, the nastiest campaign I've seen an employer wage against its employees in uh, my time dealing with these things. Now, I understand there are also allegations that people are being rated by their supervisors, given a numerical rating based on how they feel about the union. I believe that's accurate. Uh, it's pretty widely known or suspected by the employees that there's a rating system. I think some even say that they've seen some documentation of this, that there's some type of a scale that these supervisors have been using to gauge the level of a person's acceptance of unions. And I guess it's supposedly been going on for a good while. That's the employees feeling anyway. Why do you think we're hearing that the company is so is involved in these type of activities, allegedly so, because they say that they are not? What do you think is behind the supposed allegations they gave us the information to contact the employees, which is dubious at best. We've got a ton of inaccurate information, so it's really complicated our efforts trying to contact workers. And this is a real issue for the union because we don't have the luxury of talking to them for eight hours a day inside that plant. We have to go find them after work, and it's a challenging task when you're not given the accurate information to do that with. How does the Nissan Canton employee rate in terms of pay 
opposed to union operations? They're paid substantially less. They've got some misleading numbers out there. In, in that Nissan facility, you've got three levels of employees. You've got a legacy Nissan employee that could make up to $26 an hour, I believe. <clears throat> but there's just a few of them, uh, the ones that were originally hired. Nissan didn't do any hiring for a number of years. And then when they started uh, after the union, uh, after the workers started talking about unionization, they started this Pathways program, and it was where they were actually putting people back on the Nissan roll from the temporary agencies. But they, they were at a substantially reduced benefit level and pay level from the legacy Nissan employees. And then you've got the third level, which is probably a good portion of the population of the plant, that in temporary status, and that's working for a temporary uh, agency and not even having any connection. And they're even reduced from the pathways people. So uh, you've heard of uh, two-tier wage systems. Well, they've actually got a three-tier system in that facility. If they vote yes, this will be a boon for the UAW. Is that correct? I see it more as a boon for those employees, and that's not a flippant statement. The UAW is in a very solid position. We've been growing for the past seven years. Our financial situation is as good as it's ever been. We've been operating in the black for a couple of years now. And so, you know, the, the existence of the UAW is what's not in question here. What's in question is how manufacturing is going to look in the southern part of the uh, United States. For those who have been speaking against the UAW, saying all they want is the dues, you've got that situation that just came out in Detroit with Fiat Chrysler, where you have issues of embezzlement between members of the UAW and the company. You might have workers here that say, see, I told you so. How do you respond to that? They need to really read up on what happened there. First of all, there was no union dues involved in the monies that were embezzled. They were from the company. So no union funds were in that story at all. Secondly, it's not individuals, it's an individual. It's one individual at this time that's been indicted, the wife of a vice president. So the vice president was obviously involved. And it's one UAW person and one company person who, by all accounts, were rogue individuals and were in this scheme together. We fully cooperated with the authorities, and there's not been one bad thing from any law enforcement about the UAW as an institution. Well, we appreciate you, Mr. Castillo, for taking the time to speak with us. Okay, thank you. Nissan says there is no basis to the new complaints and claims of worker intimidation are false. Matthew Miracle is a Nissan employee. He tells MPB's Desiree Fraser why he's voting no. The UAW is a terrible thing. It, uh, all it wants to take is the money. It's not going to help anybody. Um, these uh, employees, they haven't made. They, uh, they don't understand how well they have it. So. And what do you do? I'm a robotic programmer. How long have you been here? Uh, since 2011. What do you want to come out of it? What would you say to other folks about this because it has been so widely publicized? Well, I'd say that uh, most of these employees, they're disrespectful of uh, Nissan because they just throw their trash all over, their cigarette butts all over. If they would take some pride in their, their company... Nissan hasn't done anything to these people. They gave them good jobs. It's, it's, it's a job. It's not called vacation. So that's, that's all I have about to say. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Results of the two-day election are expected by tonight. 
Coming up, Mississippi troopers will soon carry a drug that reverses the effects of opioid overdoses. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. You've been patiently waiting, and beginning August 7th, your MPB car tags will start arriving at your local county offices. For more updates about the MPB car tag, visit mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A new order will allow first responders and individuals access to potentially life-saving medication. The Mississippi Department of Mental Health is partnering with the Mississippi Department of Public Safety to provide naloxone. It's a medication that blocks or reverses effects of opioid overdoses, particularly in an overdose situation. The effort is grant-funded and is consistent with the final recommendations made by the governor's opioid and heroin study task force which ended Wednesday. House Bill 996 passed in Mississippi's 2017 legislative session. It permits the use of standing orders for naloxone at pharmacies across the state. Governor Bryant says he sees the new product as part of the state's treatment plan. There were a number of remarkable recommendations that we will be working on more than likely for the next year. Uh, to include some that we will need assistance uh, in funding from uh, the legislature. We know that will be a challenge, but we'll also be reaching out to federal opportunities that exist. But as we close that meeting, my position was that we will now assume command and control, we being the people that you see on this stage and all those that are involved from law enforcement, Department of Mental Health, Department of Health. Uh, This plague that exists across our nation today is taking over a thousand Americans a week. Uh, In 2016 alone, 211 of those deaths, at least 211, and we think that is a conservative number, happened here in the state of Mississippi from overdoses of opioids. And our first responsibility is to stop those that are losing their lives. These are not people in back alleys. These are our neighbors, our friends, and our family members. So we will talk today about a new opportunity that has been proven to save lives of those that are dying in the very moment that they could lose their lives. We believe first responders, primarily law enforcement, also those that are in EMS and other first responder, responding medical uh, personnel, that will be able to save the life of that individual that is near death because of an opioid overdose. We must also realize that treatment of this epidemic is our first responsibility and that this is part of that treatment. We will be responding, law enforcement will be to save their lives and that will be our primary responsibility. Individuals will be able to purchase naloxone at a pharmacy without a doctor's prescription. The medication is sold under several brand names, most notably Narcan. Public Safety Commissioner Marshall Fisher says the medication does not eliminate the need for treatment. It is extremely important. Let's say somebody's life is saved by the introduction of the naloxone in their system. That will give them a chance to at least get into treatment. Part of the reason for this collaboration, you know, we've got treatment professionals who are collaborating with DPS and law enforcement on this, is to tell the people, here's what your resources are. Here's a number you can call. We've got people right here you can come and talk to right now. 
So you know, law enforcement is trying to send a message. We don't want to arrest everybody and put them in jail. We want to deal with this issue. And we've got to spend more money on treatment. We've got to figure out how to get more people into treatment. In the old days, we saw somebody that was intoxicated or high. We just locked them up. You know, they did some time in jail. They bonded out, whatever. Now we've got to think about trying to train officers and find some assets to direct some of these people. Not all of them. People commit other crimes while they're intoxicated or while they're high. But we can direct some of these people to get treatment. We want to train our officers in that regard to show them what the resources are. And I think this is a good start. Every trooper will be carrying dosage units of naloxone, every MBI agent, every MBN agent. And this is going to start pretty much immediately. Uh, Department of Mental Health is going to handle the training of the officers, which uh, I'm told takes very little time. If an addict knows that there is a possibility that they won't have to overdose, do you feel that that might interfere with people seeking treatment? There is no silver bullet. There is no perfect solution. That's why we have a myriad of different things on a multifaceted issue here. Sure, there's probably people out there who think, well, you know, if I do this no OD, somebody will give me a dose of, of naloxone, I'll be right back in the mix. And what you have to understand is people who are suffering from the disease of addiction, it is a disease. We've got to learn to treat that like we do diabetes, or heart disease, or cancer. So those people who might have that attitude, that's the, that's the disease talk. If you talk to anybody who has a family member who's in, in the serious throes of addiction, whether it's alcohol or drugs, it affects the whole family. It tears families apart. So uh, we're going to help those who will let us help them. That was Public Safety Commissioner Marshall Fisher speaking with MPB's Alexis Ware. Versions of this drug will be available without a prescription at Walgreens, CVS, and Kroger pharmacies across the state. Coming up, we'll hear from political pundits about the issues facing Mississippians. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, Go to mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. State budget, school choice, and the potential lottery are just a few of the issues in the Magnolia State. MPB's At Issue premieres tonight, bringing the first installment of a series that takes an in-depth look at what's going on around the state. With consistent stories coming out of Washington, some Mississippians are wondering what effect the Trump administration will have on the state. Political pundits Republican Austin Barber of the Clearwater Group and Democrat Brandon Jones of the Barrier Jones firm discussed the latest in education as Wilson Stribling mediates. Barbara says the U.S. Secretary of Education's decisions are in line with Republican principles. If you're a Republican in the Mississippi legislature, you look and you see the direction um, that Betsy DeVos, who, of course, is the education secretary, has, and I'm sure the support of President Trump is, she's for more charter schools. She's for more choices uh, for kids. And I think that's the mentality of our leadership in the legislature as well here. In this area, and I think all of these policy areas, this is where you kind of see Trump's style. Mm -hmm. His style is different. His style is a little more erratic. It's not quite as policy-grounded. I do think that creates something of a vacuum of leadership and a vacuum of vision. And so what happens is, and I think this is part of the reason why we wind up talking about all of these various personalities, is because he doesn't have the wherewithal to guide them in some of these ways. I mean, he's not a policy person and doesn't seem to 
be given to policy discussion. And so your secretary of education all of a sudden yeah. is enormously important because yeah. what they believe kind of can be what True. happens that day. Secretary DeVos was one of Trump's cabinet appointments that barely made it through the process, um, criticized by some Republicans, criticized almost universally by Democrats. And now I think I see why the Department of Education has done strange things under her leadership. DeVos is a culture war champion. Yes, she likes the charter school thing, but she also likes to wade off into culture wars. And so she's a weird kind of selection for this. And I don't think that Mississippi is the type of state that benefits when we get folks that want to go looking underneath the hood on whether or not we're being too hard on people who are committing sexual assault on campus. And I don't see how there's any connective tissue between that and classrooms that don't have adequate school books or uh, Look, Missis- <laughs> Mississippi benefits if the federal government will just stay the hell out of our way, honestly. If the federal government will let the state and local officials make the decisions on what's really the best way to run our school districts. I think that's how Mississippi benefits the best. Gentlemen, I'd like to get your final thoughts now. Over the next couple of years, will a Trump administration help or hurt Mississippi, Brandon? I want to see our country succeed. And I think as part of caring about the country and being a committed person that is not (laughs) going to change residency depending on who wins an election, I want to see success come out of that administrative office. And it doesn't always have to be in policy ways that I agree with, but I would like to see a coherent policy put forward that lifts all boats. And I'm very skeptical that this president can deliver. I'm very skeptical that this Congress can deliver. But I hope for them. I'm going to pray for them. I hope that Democrats that serve in these roles are open. I hope that they don't get so jaundiced and so turned off that they're not coming to the table. Because as we've talked about around this table, our country faces big issues, but Mississippi faces big issues. And as much as our state leaders may want to give lip service to this, how the United States government goes is still how Mississippi's government goes. It's these, the two are still inextricably connected. And so I think it matters how well this bunch performs. And I hope they do better. I'm just quite nervous. So, Austin, over the next few years, hurt or help Mississippi, the Trump administration? You know, I don't get paid a dollar to pat Brandon on the back. But I think (laughs) what you just said and how you said it, the Republicans and Democrats who do national shows on whatever national network, they ought to listen to your tone. They ought to listen to what you say. You don't agree with Donald Trump. Not a hundred, you don't disagree with him 100% of the time, but you just said, and you were very genuine, that you want him to do well. Because if he does well, the country most likely does well. Yeah. If he and the Senate and the House don't do well, we don't move forward. And I just think, and I think you and I have always tried to have this mentality as we talk to Wilson on, on this show about having a conversation where we're not screaming at each other. I don't agree with you all the time, and you don't agree with me all the time, but we can have these kind of conversations. I just think you should be lauded for how you said that, and I think with how Donald Trump, uh, the things that he does, how it will impact Mississippi, ask me in a year. I hate to say that, but let's find out where we are in a year because I think that's how long it may take a, he- a new health care bill to pass and taxes and infrastructure and immigration. And we can have little report cards every nine weeks, but I think in a year as we move forward to this time next summer, we'll really know, did it help Mississippi having Donald Trump as president and a Republican control in the House and Senate or not? Yeah. Austin, Brandon, thank you both. 
MPB's at issue premieres tonight at 7.30 on MPB TV. Coming up, celebrate history by maintaining the trail at the Vicksburg Military Park. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippians have the opportunity to help maintain a piece of history and preserve nature. Nationally, military parks help preserve local history and create close-to-home recreational opportunities. The Vicksburg National Military Park staff are offering volunteers the chance to adopt a trail tomorrow. The Al Scheller Hiking Trail is a primitives trail that was established in 1979 to provide scouts with a better understanding of the siege of Vicksburg. Molly Cadwell is volunteer coordinator in Vicksburg. She tells us more about the program. National parks in particular belong to the people, and they're a great resource for the entire public to take advantage of. And by volunteering, you're helping us to maintain the park. You're connecting better with the resource, and it can give you a sense of pride and ownership over you know, something that's really incredible that belongs to all of us. How do they adopt a trail, and what are they responsible for? People can sign up for the Adopt-A-Trail program. You can be an individual or a group. The requirements for it are you have to come to an orientation. We have one this Saturday, August 5th at 9 o'clock. So you'll come to that orientation. You'll learn about the program, how we would expect you to maintain the trail, some of the requirements. If Then if you decided that it was something you wanted to do, you could sign our volunteer agreement and then once you've you know, learned how to maintain the trail, you can schedule your own trail maintenance projects whenever is convenient for you and your group. So that way it gives volunteer groups a little bit more flexibility and it helps us provide more consistent maintenance of the trail. When you say trail, do you mean walking trail? It's not super well known, but we do have a hiking trail through the park. Um, it's a primitive trail through the woods. It's called the Al Scheller Hiking Trail and it's 12 miles. So it's a little bit shorter than the 16-mile tour road, which is what most people drive Um, or bike or jog on Um, and you can do smaller sections of it so don't worry you don't have to hike a full 12 miles if you come out on the trail if you are interested in hiking the trail you can stop by the visitor center and we have maps there for you and we do ask that people sign in and sign out when they come hike in the park so that way we can make sure everybody made it off the trail at the end of the day yeah 12 miles are there any exits along that way that's a long way to walk yeah definitely so the trail um, comes in and out of the woods at various points so you can do a section as small as a mile or the full 12 miles if you'd like you definitely have options to not do the full 12 miles (laughs) and it's Vicksburg so it's very hilly too yes exactly when you talk about maintenance of the trail Mm -hmm. what kind of maintenance I mean picking up trash that might be there yeah, basically it'll be a lot of picking up branches, moving down trees that aren't too large. We don't want anybody out there with any serious equipment or chainsaws or anything like that. That we'll leave for our staff to do. There's um, picking up any garbage you can see, although it's usually pretty free of litter. And the Adopt-A-Trail program is also helpful because it allows those groups to get out there and they can report back to us any of those serious issues, like if the trail's washed out or if there's a big tree down or anything like that. How many people are you looking for altogether? We've got a couple groups already signed up, um, and we've got a couple more groups coming to this orientation on Saturday. So anyone who's interested is definitely more than welcome to come. It starts at 9 a.m. It's in the maintenance conference room. Um, It's not in the main visitor center. 
So if people would like to come, they can RCP by calling me at 601-629-8133, and I can send them an email with more detailed instructions. Or they can ask at the fee booth when they come into the park, and they can give you directions to the maintenance conference room. Molly Cadwell is a park guide at the Vicksburg National Military Park. Molly, thank you very much for being with us. Yes, thank you so much. The program is open to groups and individuals looking to get outside and get involved this fall. Tomorrow is National Military Park Day. Up next, it's the Gestalt Gardener. Then at 10 o'clock, next stop Mississippi at 11, Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Have a great weekend. And then we hope to see you back here Monday morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition. Only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation